world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run Cause I cook competitors until they look well done Don't act like you don't know where I hail from I had to climb up out the trenches, sit on benches till my time had come Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play Me falling off, huh, that'll be the day I'm like Bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run Back in you more of what you asked for. It's the open run with Will Strickland in conversation with the man behind the wheels. We try to give the man behind the wheels some credit. The one, the only Ryan Antonio Henry of Below the Hardwood podcast. And well, I mean, it depends on how you want to be introduced, sir. But you know, yeah, you we'll go with that, that. Um, happy Friday to you. Um, the Below the Hardware <laughs> podcast is actually recording its possible finale episode this week, so you guys can stay tuned for that. It's going to be available on anchor.fm below slash the slash hardwood. So for now, yes, that is quite true. Okay, well, you know, as it might be the last hurrah, this is a magnificent day for at least 60 young men whose lives changed last night during the NBA draft. So the 2022 NBA draft left very few surprises, except for up the very top. The, and I guess, you know, I, I can't even say it's surprises because one through three were pretty much interchangeable depending upon need, ten, ten, you know, and, and what the teams were saying they wanted. So there was a consensus and that's how, you know, it's a little, you know, chicanery going on there, of course. You don't want to show your hand too soon. But Orlando with the number one pick. Shouts out to Jamal Mosley, former Dallas Mavericks assistant head coach. I just wanted to give a nod to you. He's a big Mavs fan for those who don't know and yeah. don't follow him. Yeah. Um, but everyone was thinking that proximity played a role in picking Jabari Smith as the – Number one pick in the draft did not happen that way from Auburn did not happen that way. Instead, they went with Paolo Bancaro from Duke, which you still can get some kind of regional. Like it feels like a, back in the day, the NBA used to have what they called territorial picks. So if you played in college in the area, you were popular in that college. They tried to make the NBA team. They automatically sent you the NBA team. Like, that was an automatic thing. So Oscar Robertson played at the University of Cincinnati. Guess where he played? ended up playing basketball? Cincinnati Royals, right? They don't have that anymore, but in a way, they still do have that. So I'm seeing, like, what was it the rationale behind this pick with Ben Carroll at number one for Orlando? What do you think? Honestly... I was I was looking at the you know the three the three uh, the three guys. One seemed like the complete package, and that's why I'm kind of surprised that they took Paolo at number one. Um, 
what what, what was the the rundown on on uh, on Paolo? Physicality, a little bit of an inside game, um, compared to compared to Jabari, who's being called an elite shooter. Um, he has the tools defensively. So I, to be honest, that was the surprise for me uh, at one. Uh, I completely thought they were going to go with Jabari, but uh, throwing Paolo in there kind of sh- uh, threw me off, to be honest. Um, Chet, I feel, landed where he landed, but, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't a proximity thing. Maybe they just said, you know what, let's kind of uh, shake up the board, and, and that's what they did. Well, I do believe they shook up the board, and I, I don't want to dismiss this young man as the greatest day of his life in all these guys' lives. Let's be clear. For someone to want you and then, you know, after you're not the number one pick, there are so many boulders on shoulders. <laughs> you know, I got a chip on my shoulder. I got a boulder on my shoulder. You you could see it on his face in his um, in his interview, like right after he was taken with the third pick uh, going to Houston, that he was not happy. And, and well, I, I'm not and talking I about Jabari. Like I'm, staying, I'm, I'm staying with. We're going to get to him in a second. Let's stick with Paolo yeah. Van Carroll because, Let's, yeah, the idea that general generally most mock draft boards had Jabari Smith at one, Chet Hongren at two, and Paolo Van Carroll at three going to Houston because they shook yeah. up the board. How does he fit in Orlando? Because I get a lot of. Carlos Boozer with a handle and a better outside jumper vibe from Paolo Bancaro, which is I'm not trying to diss him because he's the number one pick in the draft, but that's kind of the vibe yeah. I got. And when I think about the history of Duke players in the NBA and go, who's the best Duke player to ever play in the NBA? Arguably is Kyrie Irving. Is that an indictment on Duke or is that, you know, something that's good for Duke? Because we can say, well, Grant Hill truncated career, but at the end of the day, you have to go up with the results, not what, you know, the suppositions. And the bottom line is this. Yeah. Kyrie Irving didn't share his rookie of the year award. Grand Hill did. True. Jason did. Right. True. Kyrie Irving, all the time, all-star NBA champion. We have to go with what we know, but he's also a world-class flick, AKA world B flat. That's his nomenclature on the podcast, if you didn't know already. Yeah. So when I look at Paolo, like he falls in that, he could be Jalil Okafor or Jason Tatum. We don't know yet. Right. And I told you he gives me this Carlos Boozer vibes. I don't know why. It's like some games he'd be like dominant, other games like he disappeared, but that's young guys, and they, you know. But if you did that at the college level, and I see that, if you did that at the college level, I feel like you'll end up doing a lot of that in the pro level as well. I'm going to say, looking at the Magic's roster, is that they're they're going to be making some other moves because they kind of have a, a little bit of a jam at that four spot, right? Like, we don't know what's happening with Isaac. Um, oh, he's gone. Is he healthy? He's, gone. He's, he's gone. So maybe that was their plan. Um, to kind of fill in that role, fill in that spot, because you're, they got a, a over the last couple of years, they've 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 selected well. They have they've had uh, good draft picks. You know, I think you got you know Cole Anthony slotted in there. Um, I don't know if Mo Bamba is trade bait, but if he's there, 
you know, it's a pretty or maybe, decent pair in that front court. Well, why don't we do it like this? Why don't we yeah. say that Jonathan Isaac comes back, but he knows he's not a starter, but you have a quality guy who played, you know, who plays off the bench behind Ben Carroll, right? Okay. So you have I like length, it. you have length, you have size, you have versatility on that front line because you know Franz Wagner, first team all rookie, yeah. plays defense, has some bounce to his game, has some energy. Maybe Orlando is building something there. And maybe Jonathan Isaac. Not a starter, but maybe a piece you keep behind him as insurance for Paolo Bancaro or give him time to groom him and get him ready for that position. Of course, these guys are going to compete. But, yeah. you know, you talk about the backcourt a little bit. I think they're going to be okay. You're going to see more, if they can find anything for Markel Fultz, Gary Harris, you know, Terrence Ross, they're going to try and get rid of those guys because they're going to reinvigorate that brand down there. That's what they're trying to do right now. They, it's a whole new culture. Whole new culture no in the last few years that, that's being what, built. What we have to figure out what that culture is. For many, I thought Cole Anthony was um, the last man standing out of, out of the rotation because of Jalen Suggs being drafted. But actually, Cole Anthony yeah. showed up and showed out. And we're not going to talk about the dunk contest in the templates. So let's not do that. But Orlando with Paolo Bancaro at number one. At number two, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. And if you look at the history of number two picks in OKC slash Seattle Sonics history, I'm going to pick bring up two, and you tell me where you see Chet Holmgren fitting in. Is either Kevin Wayne Durant or the immortal Hashim the Dream the Beat. Does he fit somewhere in between? You somebody, had, somebody had the nerve to call Chet Holmgren the next Kevin Durant on ESPN. I'm like, wait a minute. See, sometimes we go too far. Mm, this is on ESPN. The entertainment, keep that in mind, you see, the entertainment and sports programming network. See, I, I feel like people are just, you know, what's it? You're judging a book by its cover where you're just kind of like analyzing and saying, oh, this guy's tall and skinny. He must be Kevin Durant. Um, the other comparisons I've heard is light Giannis, Giannis light, which, you know, looking at his game, I can see that because he can dribble. If you need him to inbound the ball and take it up the court, he can do that. We've seen him in college get to the basket on his will, just power through because of that huge frame that he has. He can also step behind the arc and he has perimeter skills, he can shoot the ball, which Giannis didn't really have at the beginning. And, you know, Giannis didn't come into the league looking like the beast that he is. Mm -hmm. It took him some time to get that frame. So I think they're expecting him to kind of turn into hopefully a Giannis light, but he's going to have to hit the weight room for that. But I would say more Giannis light than Kevin Durant. I, I don't see any yeah, Kevin Durant. They're reaching, with, they're reaching with that. And I'll even give you a, a caveat on the Giannis comparison, because I see more Kristaps Porzingis, 3-6 Latvia, than I do Giannis, and that Chet Holmgren comes from money. 10, 12, 15 years ago, Giannis was selling bobbles and doodads on the beaches of Athens, Greece. The hunger is different, my guy. And so we have yeah. to keep that in mind. Like, these are intangibles. You can't measure his hunger versus Chet's hunger. I'm not saying that Chet doesn't want to be great. 
I'm not saying he's not going to be a great, but the hunger, the drive, the path to get there, a little bit different. And Giannis has proven that with two MVPs, a finals MVP, an all-time finals closeout game on his resume. Like he's arguably already top five, if not top three, power forward in the history of the game. He's 27. So it's sometimes when people try to make player comparisons, it's tough. And that's why I like to hear the the players give those comparisons. And the NBA does a great job of getting like giving them a profile and giving them an opportunity to say, like, who would you want to face in the NBA? And like of the 60 guys, I think 58 of them were like, oh, I can't say his name on the podcast. My bad. Almost said it. The hashtag he who shan't be named. Um, that's the guy they grew up. In. And the funny part is these guys are 19 and 20 years old. So they see they weren't even old enough to see the beginning of his career and he's still playing at that level. I can understand the admiration, but yeah, Chet Holmgren fits in there. I think Josh Giddy, I, I think if you have a healthy Shea Gilgis Alexander, if you have Lou Dort back out there, you got Darius Basley on the wing, you got, you know, they have a young core, but we saw a young core like this back in 2012, go to the NBA finals. And then they never got back again with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Wayne Durant, and James Edward Harden Jr. So um, I, I was just going to say, like uh, the comparison thing always happens at draft night, and it's cool. But I, I feel like you're going to see you're going to see Chet Holm, Holmgren be Chet Holmgren. Like he's not. I don't think he's going to live up to any of these comparisons. I think he's going to be his own player. Um, you know, I, I again. It's college, and you, you can only go off of what you see off of Instagram highlights, what the team's posting, who's posting. I guess his his dad's Cam's quarter footage that that he, he he's known for. He probably doesn't have to do that again now because the league's probably going to be uh, a lot of cameras are going to be on him. But um, I, I feel Chet is going to ultimately become the face of that franchise because. Man, like how many draft picks do they have, and and just talent that is, like I think last year around this time when we did this, I called OKC the showcase team. It's like the team you go to showcase your skills before you get shipped off somewhere else <laughs> to to a championship contender. You see right. it in Chris Paul. You've seen it in Al Horford. Well, who, I mean, I'm not talking because play. they weren't homegrown guys. I would, I don't think that you can yeah. count that as. But or even like a guy like Shea who got traded there early in his career, or Lou Dort getting a yeah. chance there. You know, two Canadians on that squad getting a chance there, and you get you see Josh Giddy coming from the NBA Academy uh, in Australia. So those are kind of homegrown guys. When you get drafted directly to the team, that's what I think. That's kind of what what I made the comparison Face. between the 2012 thing um, and now. Yeah. So you know, they are kind of the showcase team. It's going to matter. Lou Dort is, I think he is, uh, he has a player option. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He has, there's a team option on him this year. Um, I think he's going to stay there. I think he's valued there. And I think it with one healthy season with all those guys, they're going to see what they have before they move. And Shea is, you know, he, he got his check. If I'm not mistaken. Didn't he get his check? I think he Shea is, got it. I, I think he's trade bait. Right now? Yeah, to give Josh Giddy the keys to the car. With the amount of draft picks they have, the already young core they have, I, I think they'd be willing to move on from him and start with the the, the thin towers as they call them, mm-hmm. um, and and Josh Kitty running that team. Well, 
I mean, they can also be involved in a three-way trade to take on some expiring contracts of some older players like they've done in the past. Uh, I'm yeah. talking to you, Russell Westbrook, and I'm talking to you as well, Kyrie Andrew Irving. Just saying. Keep I, that in mind. A reunion would not be bad for him. I, I don't think so at all. But it might stunt some growth, but it, I think it would be I'm great. not talking about Russell coming there. I'm talking about like a three-way trade. They're, the only way they can do that is a three-way trade because of the contracts. They're not going to oh, trade okay. Russell Westbrook straight up for Shea Gilgis Alexander, but if they did, that would be crazy as hell. Like everybody's looking at yeah. Kyrie, but Shea, who has a serious injury history early in his career too, you have to look at mm-hmm. all of that. And these factors at the end of certain careers and like a guy who also has a lot of injury history and, and Anthony Marshawn Davis Jr., you have to look at those things. But let's move on to Houston, H-Town bound Jabari Smith, once considered the consensus number one pick in the draft this year, going to Houston, and again, I talked about the chips on his shoulder. There are no rocks left in the world because every dude felt like, I got a chip on my shoulder. I got a chip on my shoulder. Okay. I got it from the mud. Okay. They've been listening to too many rap songs. I'll tell you that much. But Jabari Smith, whose dad played in the NBA for a while, played five years of 14, um, is going to Houston. I think that's a great opportunity for him there. I, I I don't think he could have missed whether he went to Houston or Orlando. No. I really don't believe that. You know, his, his coach is a lifer. Steven Silas, his dad, Paul Silas, the lifer. He's a lifer. I think that what you get with Jalen Green, what you're going to get with Josh Christopher, what you're going to get with Kevin Porter Jr., with Alpre Sangoon, my guy, right, and with Jabari Smith, you're going to get a young, exciting team. It's going to be hard. They're going to take their knocks. But they're building something down there. And we'll see how that comes to fruition. These young teams, I like it. Again, sooner than later, you see, you, you see how Memphis built. You're watching how other teams are building. This can be a very competitive, a very, very competitive league in the next three, four years when, once certain elements are cycled out. And you have no idea who's going to be next. Yep. Honestly, um, you just said it with their with their young talent. Um, you know, I'm not saying I hate giving them, oh, in three or four years, they're going to be this. But I get, you know, young Memphis Grizzly vibes. Like, you know, you had Ja, Jaron, uh, Bain, mm-hmm. uh, a couple other guys. And, and it took them time to get there. But look where they are now. Almost... Uh, if, if not for losing to the champions, they could have been in the Western Conference Finals. So you got the Rockets now. Once they lose a, a lot of dead weight and what, like about $43 million? Oh, uh, 44 in, plus. In contract. That, he's not a dummy. He's not going to opt out. Or he's 47. I think it was no. 47 this year. Who's opting out yeah. of $50 million? Yeah. They, 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 they got, they got, once they get rid of that, you know, and they can get some um, veteran talent. Cause that's the only thing they're probably missing veteran talent. That's actually playing and, and, and can talk to their players and, and grow with them. Then yeah, no, I think Jabari is a great fit for that team. In good hands. And, and again, their coach coming from my Mavs, uh, my uh, Mavs uh, coaching tree um, again, They'll they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. No, no. All right. And number four, this is where it gets interesting because I have four and five, and we're only going to do five picks right here before we go into some other stuff. Um, 
it could have been like at least three guys, in my opinion. So Keegan Murray from Iowa could have been Jaden Ivey from Purdue or Ben Matherin from Arizona, Montreal's finest. Uh, Lou Dort would probably disagree, but that's a whole other thing. They come from the same neighborhood in Montreal. So when the Kings were on the board, and looking at their needs, which is everything, and most teams in, in that range, the one through five teams, have a need for everything. So you pick, do you pick the best athlete or do you pick the best fit? Because sometimes it's not about pick, it's more about fit. And they picked basically Harrison Barnes again. And another guy from Iowa, who's from Cedar Rapids and not Ames, they picked Keegan Murray. What do you think about that pick? Um, they ran a graphic last night of the Sacramento Kings' last uh, three or four uh, picks. and uh, Well, not three or four, last three or four picks, but um, major picks where the, the very next pick ended up to be uh, the star or the future all-star. Mm -hmm. um, if you go down the list, uh, Luka Doncic, Clay Thompson, and the third, I can't, I can't really remember who it was, but... Um, I think we have that same scenario here because I'm sorry to disrespect Keegan Murray. I, I personally have not watched enough footage, but I'm I'm a huge on Jaden Ivey um, going to Detroit. Um, just seeing the emotion in his face, um, his family, knowing what they've been through, um, just seeing this kid's motor. Um, I, I'm I to be honest, I think Detroit won the draft last night. With, with okay, the, wait, wait, okay. don't talk about it. Don't let's stay with yeah. the Kings. Yeah. I know you're excited about, and we're gonna get there for sure. Yeah, but you you don't believe that a lineup with De'Aaron Fox and my man Off Night, who has the second greatest Nick nomenclature in the league behind the Time Lord, uh, Robert Williams the third, and Davion Mitchell, put him in the backcourt next to Fox. You have one of the fastest um, backcourts in the league. Then are you going to have wing shooting? Can Keegan Murray bring that to you? Demonis Sabonis down low. You know, you have some parts. You have a guy, Mike Brown, who has taken a team to the NBA Finals. I mean, of course, the Kings don't have the King, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, so they're going to have someone experienced who knows how to grow a program and has the pieces and parts to at least get them to playoffs this year. But you're really high. I guess you have no other words on uh, the Kings and what they're going to do. So let's go to Detroit. You talked about Jaden Ivey. We can stay on the Kings. Like, okay. if you look at the overall picture, like you just explained, I think they are building something. Um, and, they've been building something know, for how many years, though? They, they've been building something for how many years? They've had a bunch of top 10 picks that just never, you know, worked out. But you know what? I think this is more on the, the front office and the franchise, just not supporting their players and putting them in the right positions to succeed rather than the actual players themselves. So that's why stability, I don't think uh, I'm not. Stability afraid. in all those areas helps, though. Stability in the front office, stability on the bench. How many coaches did DeMarcus Cousins have when he was there? Yeah. Five? It, it's, like it's not. Four and a half, five years? It's nuts. But this base that they, they have now, I think, can actually do something. Again, it's just if the front office gets out of their way, 
Um, in terms of Keegan Murray, again, uh, I keep seeing the word versatile. Um, again, another Harrison Barnes, but maybe that makes Harrison Barnes expendable. Maybe that's a trade in the future. Um, I know the Mavs have been trying to look for wings, so who knows? Maybe he goes back and that's a reunion. But uh, I, I think they, they got something there. It's just, again, can the front office get out of their way? Well, the front office that is led by Troy Weaver, a Sam Presti acolyte who came from OKC and helped him build that team that you, you saw, we talked about in 2012, is building something in Detroit. You got the motorcade, Kate Cunningham, one of the top rookies in the league last year, arguably the rookie of the year to a, a lot of people. Sorry, Raptors fans. I know you're mad that yeah. I said that. You, you got the hardware, so stop tripping. Um, you know, Sadiq Bey, who is easily a more versatile 3 and D guy. He's not just a prototypical, that's all I do is 3 and D. Like, anytime you have a 50-point game, you're not Bruce Bowen, right? You're not that typical 3 and D guy. You're not just P.J. Tucker. I'm sorry. The artist formerly known as Anthony Leon Tucker Jr. My bad, PJ. Um, so he's a different type of three and D guy. The the yeah. the the whole thing there is they got rid of Jeremy Grant, so they're ready to move and make some other moves. They brought in Jalen Duran uh, through a trade, a three way trade that brought in Kimball Walker. They're gonna release him, obviously, because they're gonna go young. Yeah. So we got Jalen Duran um, from Memphis. Basically, to me, Andre Drummond light. Um, all athleticism, doesn't really know how to play basketball yet. If he ever learns how to play basketball, just he has a lot of strengths near the basket. And so you see Dayton Ivy fitting right in from South Bend, Indiana. So his family is going to be close to Detroit. It's going to be easy to get there. But why are you so high on it? You look at what they're building there i'm i'm excited for it um jade and ivy was getting comparisons to high motor players um if you're being compared to ja morant that's a plus if you're being compared to a little bit of russell westbrook just those high motor uh guards that will will your team to wins yeah I i'm on board with that and that's a culture again it's a, you're gonna hear the word culture probably in the show a lot uh, Detroit's culture over the last year or two with, with their draft picks alone have have sh it's shifting. It, there's a shift in in, in Detroit. And, and who's the I head think coach there? Um, it was a former Raptor coach who, uh, who is known for his defense. Who helped build a culture in Dallas when he won he was the defensive mastermind in 2011. Yeah, they helped them win the championship, yep. and then went on to Toronto when in Masai, you must trust showed up and said, we got to change the culture. And the person that was in charge of helping to change that culture was one Dwayne Casey who built the culture yeah. up and then they let him go. And then the very next year, what did they do when it the championship is this the I same thing that. that's going to happen in Detroit to Dwayne Casey. Yeah. I'm not saying Detroit's uh, anywhere close to winning a championship just to be clear, but if you look at the career arc, if you look at the things he's done, if you look at the culture that he's built, he likes to call it a program, like it's a college program. And I get that. But that's what he has, basically college-age athletes. Yeah. And if you can get the right stuff out of the guys he has there, I, I really love Sadiq Beck. He is the adult in the room. Yeah. And yeah. he's the quiet leader. 
He could be their their more versatile. Well, I want to I don't want to call him more versatile Draymond. That's disrespectful to Draymond Jamal Green Sr. <laughs> yes. But he uh, could be like a Draymond type who can actually score for Detroit. He is yeah. the adult in the room there. Yeah. Um I, I just think they selected well. And and looking at, you know, again, the footage um of what Jaden um uh Duran can do. No, I, I was seeing the ball. Sorry, you know, oh, Jaden Ivy. Um, for now, for Jaden Ivy, just seeing him in a backcourt with Cade. Like I think these guys could do combo guard situations. Like they got versatility in that backcourt that I'm really excited to see. I don't know how Dwayne Casey is going to work with that, but if defense is number one in Detroit again, which I think it is going to be. Uh, especially with this roster that they have, I think you've got the right two guys doing to, to lead well, the front uh, backcourt. Killian Hayes had an opportunity to step up and, and be that guy. He's going to end up being a backup, and he's going to be a, a quality backup for somebody, if, even if he stays in Detroit. But he's not built to be a starter in the NBA right now. I just don't see it. And I'm happy for what they're going to do there. Shout out to Corey Joseph, um, who's still there, and he'll end up, I don't know if he's expendable there, if he's going to be there next year, but as someone who, you know, has flourished in the league for, I think this is Corey's 13th year in the NBA now, which is crazy to me. Right. Yeah. But journeyman. Um, well, no, I mean, look, he grew up playing basketball with one Wardell Stephen Curry, the second, if you remember from Toronto, when his father yeah. Dell was a Raptor. So, you know, Corey has a good name in the NBA, and it's always good to be well-liked around the league because you'll always have a job, whether you're playing or like a very expensive assistant coach like Andre Iguodala, who made $15 million this year, doing nothing, basically. I'm mad at him. The West Coast Andre Iguodala. <laughs> I, I, I think Iguodala's job was was to uh, to get a certain Canadian player to play his best so which I think that was his, said, his job this season. Which is why I said he's an expensive assistant coach. Name one assistant yeah. coach you know makes $15 million a year. Exactly. Tell me... Your sleeper pick uh, of the draft, a guy you feel like, um, whether it's the, the late in the first round or uh, in the second round, who you think is going to make a difference on the team immediately? So, again, they they kind of, and maybe this is just me being a, a homer, but they were calling him the enigma of the draft last night because he's had a different story than most. Uh, he didn't play a single game in college. Mm. He's a Canadian. Mm. So I'm going to go with uh, Shaden. Uh, Shaden sorry Sharp. if I mispronounced it. Uh, Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp, yeah. I, I, I like that. Again, yeah. No, 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 no game, no games to reference outside of uh, outside of high school. So um, I feel like this could be the sleeper, but a lot of the NBA GMs coveted this, this kid a lot. And he's going to a team that is in need of anything they can get in portland mm -hmm. um so i feel like the opportunity is going to be there again that's another word you're going to be hearing is culture opportunity and portland is going through a bit of their shift on their own so 
I feel like Shaden could easily have uh, some, you know, early opportunity on that Portland team. It's just, who is it? It's Dame. It's, it's uh, uh, Grant. Anthony Simons and, and Jeremy Grant. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe I think that piece. He, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, this year, Little might have something to say about that, uh, who has some experience, and they're going to battle for a spot. But when I look at even the first four picks of the draft, they're all power forwards, all versatile guys, all guys who can do multiple things. And the only way you can get on the court in the NBA today is to be able to do the things that play bas- to play basketball in the NBA. Dribble, pass, shoot. You know, there are no more of those guys getting drafted that can do one thing. All I do is rebound or all I do is play defense. You have to be able yeah. to do multiple things to be a high draft pick or, or you're either a speedy guard with athleticism. So you're going to find long wings and you're going to find teams trying to build that full team of guys between the heights of 6'7 and 6'9, 6'10 who can do everything. So you can create a versatile lineup. You can switch everything. You can play on the perimeter. You can play in the post. That's what I saw in this draft. When you draft four power forwards at the top of the draft, who are all around the same height, who have a level of versatility, right? And I'm not even talking about like, so of course, Keegan Murray is not six foot 10, but he's six foot eight. And you talk about versatility when you talk about him. That they pick four guys like that tells you where the league is going. That guys like Ty Washington, who I think when Memphis drafted him, was another Ty's insurance, Ty's, uh, almost saw Ty's Edney, but uh, Ty's Jones, who was due for a check and is easily, to me, the best backup point guard in the National Basketball Association. If you lead the league as a backup point guard and assist the turnover ratio five, six years in a row, that means I can trust you when our star is on the bench or when our point guard is on the bench and you can take over a team if he gets injured because you're not going to give up the ball. You're going to make timely shots. You're going to make the best plays for the team. That's why sure. he's going to be covered in the free agency um, moratorium this um, July 1st at 12.01 a.m. EDT. But I like Ty Washington. You know, he's another guy that – you know, the University of Kentucky, you know, point guards, yeah, John Wall. You got all those guys that came from there. I liked him. But if I'm thinking about a steal of the draft, I mean, who went later in the rounds, that, yeah. that's tough. For me. Yeah. That's tough for me. And, and, and here's where I guess I'm going to be a homer if we're going to go later. Um, there's a guy that, uh, from the G League night that did originally in the 2021 draft was supposed to be a first rounder, possibly mm-hmm. a lottery pick that had slipped all the way to the Mavs who traded back into the first round at 37. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jaden Hardy. That's second round. Second round. Yeah. Second round. So Jaden Hardy, G League night, Detroit guy. Stand up. Um, and that's true. I think you gave the background bio on him. He was supposed to be the best young player for the G League at night. But you saw um, Dyson Daniels from Australia uh, go earlier than him. He's a, a, a lottery pick. And I think a lot of people looked at, like, attitude and comportment 
as a thing, but maybe he did slide. Maybe he's going to be one of those boulder on my shoulder guys that shows and proves when he gets an opportunity um, in the NBA this year. But um, if you had to say one team over any other won this draft, who would that be and why? So I had two winners, big winners. I had Detroit and I had Memphis just because Memphis was really active. Um, both trades and and picks, but I I I gotta go with Detroit. It's you have to look at when you're drafting. You have to look at all everything, mm. the roster currently, to the opportunities that they're gonna get. To because at the end of the day, I feel like the draft we do this every single year. It's it's everyone's foresight king or. You know, <laughs> in five years, they want to say, oh, I would have done this. I would have drafted this guy. Look look what I just did to the Kings earlier. Just destroyed them with their right. miss of, of the very next pick being the player that they should have taken. But, you know, I, I, you're, it's, 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 at the end of the day, yes, you can do your scouting, but it's also a bit of luck. Um, but I just like what Detroit's doing with the players that they're getting. They just seem like culture shifters. They seem like high motor guys. It fits into that Detroit culture, and and they just got a whole bunch of young talent that that yeah. is just primed to su su succeed. So I think they made the right moves. And like I know I might be jumping the gun here, but can I can I say my loser? Knock yourself out. What are the Knicks doing? At one point, there was a confusion with who was getting uh, Duran, and I thought the Knicks had him. And I'm like, you know what? Good job, Knicks. You you finally got people are saying he was the center of the future, and then we find out it was a three-team trade, and it wasn't the Knicks. Mm -hmm. He was going to Detroit, which is why Detroit became my winner, because they just stole that from Charlotte. If Charlotte even wanted to keep him, I don't know. This is the Mitchell Robinson conundrum, okay? And this is where a guy like Mitchell Robinson and also the Raptors, Chris Boucher are probably going to cop one of those Deandre Jordan contracts. Those guys are limited as far as what they can do offensively. I know Chris Boucher, like his shot looks crazy, but he hits threes, but you're not going to make him a focal point of your offense. These guys are always going to be like, you have to be a star in your role. Mitchell Robinson knows yeah. he's rim rushes and, and alley oops. He's not going to be out on the floor dribbling, handling, shoot, it's not going to happen, okay? So this is a situation where Jalen Durham and and was was scheduled to be that pick as Mitchell Robinson insurance. I had a lot of people who were insurance. And maybe the same thing that happened with the Raptors and picking Christian Coloco um, is Chris Boucher insurance, right? So a lot of teams are doing that, and those machinations early on, I think it's too early. To, even when you call the team the loser of the draft, no one knows what the Knicks have been doing for the past couple of years. And if R.J. Barrett signs his extension, he'll be the first person since 1994, Charlie Ward, to sign an extension with a team that drafted him in New York. So think about how long that's been for the Knicks to re-sign a player. Like, they didn't re-sign any players. Chris Stapps never signed that deal? Nope. Didn't finish it up. That's a, the, first, the first player since 1994 to do that. So if you want to ask, what are the Knicks doing? The same thing they've been doing since James Dolan been, has been in charge. 
So put that in perspective. Um, so that's the easy bake pick to say, oh, the Knicks, because they're terrible anyway. They they make bad decisions, but they're run, they're trying to clear up cap space to steal your guy. I said this on the podcast yeah. when Rick Brunson got that job in New York. I'm like, they're going after Jalen Brunson 100 percent And what happened just recently? They're going after Jalen Brunson. He's going to force Mark Cuban's hand. To pain. Yeah. And think about why the Dallas Mavericks got who they got. Backup in case Jalen Brunson decides to take insurance. So again, when you talk about everything you have to consider in these drafts, those are that's one of those things, right? Last but not least, four Canadians that I can recall were drafted in this draft. Two at six and seven with Ben Matherin, Shaden Sharp. And then you had Andrew Nimhart, who I felt like was a professional college player. I think Nimhart has been in college. He was at Florida first and then Gonzaga. It feels like he's been in college for seven, eight years. But he got drafted in the second round and Caleb Houston from University of Michigan. Go blue all day, every day in the second round. What do you think their prospects are for the teams that have drafted them? You talked about Shaden Sharp a little bit um, with Portland. But what about Ben Matherin, who is going to be in, on the team with another Canadian, O'Shea Brissett, um, in, in uh, Indianapolis? Yeah, Indy, Indy's stacking up Canadians. I think they got four, four on there. So uh, Chris Duarte, who else is on that team with them? I know Duarte's wow. there. I know that um, Brissett's there. Now we have Ben Matherin there. Who's the other Canadian on that team? I don't know who that there's, is. There's a fourth. Like I can't put my um I can't put my my hand on it, but I'm sorry. Maybe this is a little bit of salty Mav in me, but good luck to them because there's a certain coach that doesn't like to play young rookies, but he's gonna be he's gonna his hand is gonna be forced. So um, he's also he was also a coach of the year who got fired from his job after winning coach of the year. Yeah. And brought in Larry Brown. And what did they do? Win the championship the very next yeah. year in Detroit. Yeah. And the second greatest upset in NBA Finals history. The Pistons beat a team with three of the top eight all-time leading scorers in NBA history on that roster. Five Hall of Famers in that roster. And they lost yeah. to them. That's a serious upset. But there's no upset when we have my man, Ryan Antonio Henry, on the podcast. Sir, I appreciate your time and consideration today. And let the people know where they can find you because they can't see this yet so they can hear you now. You can catch all Below the Hardwood episodes again on anchor.fm forward slash below dash the dash hardwood. Uh, the final episode again uh, will be recorded sometime this week, so you can check that out. But you can check all of the episodes we've done since the start of the pandemic in well 2020. Um, of course, YouTube.com/slash below the hardwood for all of our old archived YouTube episodes, uh, and then you, of course you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, the same handle R A H E N R Y. That's R A Hunter on Instagram and Twitter. Very good, sir. And also the man who makes this thing sound so good each and every week. It's the Open Run Ghoul Strickland. Thank you again, brother. Thank you.